We've talked a lot on this show about what to do in challenging situations. Today, what to do when the worst happens. This is Coaching for Leaders, Episode 142. Produced by Innovate Learning. Maximizing Human Potential. Greetings from Orange County, California. This is Coaching for Leaders, and I'm your host, Dave Stahoviak. This is a weekly coaching show to help us all be better leaders through improved communication, human relations, and personal productivity. And I am so glad that you have joined me again this week for another episode of the show. This is the show about the people side of business and organizations. And today, a topic that is one that isn't always um, the most comfortable to speak about, Uh, and really does cause challenges in so many organizations, it is what to do when your workplace is experiencing a loss. It is a topic that, while difficult, is one that just about every organization experiences in some way. Um, And as I think back to the organizations I've been involved with and the people I've served over the years, Almost in every situation, the organization or individuals in the organization have uh, handled loss or dealt with loss during that time. And that's why today I am so pleased to welcome someone here to the show that I really feel is uniquely qualified to be able to give us perspective on this difficult issue. And I, um, you know, we will not uh, answer every question here in this conversation today, I'm sure, but I think that the perspective that uh, Andy Stanhouse brings is going to be one that's going to be very valuable to us. And so I am really pleased to welcome Dr. Andrew Stenhouse uh, to the program. Andy is the Dean of Graduate and Professional Studies at Vanguard University of Southern California. He is one of Bonnie's colleagues at Vanguard, and uh, he in addition to overseeing the graduate and professional studies program, he is uh, he specializes in his own teaching and research in organizational psychology and leadership studies. So he has a great and solid background in leadership. Um, but the uh, one of the reasons that I've called Andy is that he's also uh, an ordained minister and has served as a care pastor and a hospice chaplain in the past. He's worked as an outplacement consultant, and he has really built his career on serving adults who are going through transition. And that is something that always happens when we're talking about loss in the workplace. Andy, I am so glad you're here. Welcome to Coaching for Leaders. Well, thank you very much, Dave. It's great to be with you. Well, there's so much that we could talk about, and I I should probably preface our conversation by saying there's no way we could hit everything uh, today that that deals with loss. But I guess maybe the place to start here would be, you know, we do talk about loss in personal situations and in families. And in your experience, is there anything that's unique to the workplace or what maybe are the things that are different when a workplace is going through loss or people in a workplace are experiencing loss? Well, I think uh, to a certain degree, Uh, loss is really pervasive. I think probably what most people don't understand is the degree of which we deal with loss um, pretty much all the time. Um, Now, when we're talking about loss in the workplace, it can be 
um, to varied extremes. Obviously, I think most of us kind of jump to probably what many would consider the worst case scenario, and that's the loss of a colleague to death. You know, uh, we're losing someone who's who passes away either suddenly. Um, or even if they've had a prolonged illness and we still uh, knew it was coming, it's still a very significant loss. Um, but there's also a loss of colleagues um, due to a, a reduction in force or people who are terminated. Um, and, and there are some similarities there because sometimes you know, we show up to work the, uh, one morning and a person that we've been working uh, closely with for years is, is gone and uh, they've been terminated and we didn't know anything about it. Um, so there's a shock to that. Um, similarly, there are people that we know are leaving. Uh, they've given notice or we know about an upcoming reorganization that's been looming for some time. Um, just as dealing with a family member who has a terminal illness, even being prepared and knowing the day is inevitable, when the day finally comes, it still is uh, a real sense of loss and grieving. And then I think the other, probably the most common form of loss, is really uh, permeates through or organizational change. Um, and that's where there's the pervasive uh, feelings of fear and cautiousness. And, uh, basically, that's when we feel that we've given up uh, some things that we may not even realize. So there really are very different levels of, of dealing with loss within the organization. And all of them um, can, be, can be pretty traumatic. Yeah, and I hadn't even thought of a couple of those that you just mentioned. So it, it really does um, show just the breadth of this, of this issue and this challenge that that we all deal with. And I, and I was thinking, as you were speaking, Andy, even if someone uh, you know, chooses to leave an organization for a really positive reason, um, that that oftentimes even people experience loss there who have maybe developed a great relationship with that person that they no longer see or get to work with uh, going forward. Sure. Yeah. And, and the loss can, you know, and, and it can really, you know, it's a back and forth of, of several emotions, actually three emotions tend to kind of vacillate back and forth, fear, anger, and sadness. And uh, somebody can leave, and very often um, what, what I hear is people underestimated the loss uh, after they left. And, and one of the things that is, is uh, pretty pervasive is, will we be able to carry on? Um, you know, we have a tendency to appreciate people after they leave because we realize how much they were caring and how much uh, was actually being relied upon for them to, to do their job. And so one of the fears is who's going to compensate? Am I going to compensate? Are my colleagues going to have to work extra hard? Are we going to replace the person? So, I mean, the fear can actually be that practical and that mm. operational level. Mm, interesting. And then that might even be a good place for us to start is to maybe look at those those three um, and, and is emotions the right even term to use for that, Andy? I, I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. I missed, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. The the um, typically we got general we have broad categories of emotions and typically what we consider negative emotions, the most common uh, dealing with loss would be fear, anger and sadness. And I guess this is a this is a good place for us to start then because I, I think one of the I know the challenges that I've had um, I was mentioning to you before we started our conversation that I've uh, unfortunately been in a situation several times in the last five six years where we've had a loss in the workplace and someone I worked with closely has passed away very suddenly on three occasions mm -hmm. and um, and and I think that one of the challenges that I know I had and I knew other people who were in that organization had was just not necessarily knowing even where to start. Um, you know, we all kind of 
think we know what to do or what to say. And, and, and yet these, the fear and anger and sadness were all there in all of those situations. Sure. And so sure. I, I'm, I'm kind of wondering maybe if it might be helpful to look at, you know, what do those three emotions mean? Like what's involved in them? And then what, what are things that we could do either as a member of a team or as a leader that might it may be helpful in helping people to begin to process their emotions. Well, fear, you know, start with that because that's probably the one most pervasive. Fear is, um, there pops up really in two areas. One is, um, how is this going to affect me personally? In other words, it's kind of the fear of the unknown. So when we have a loss, whether someone, let's say somebody leaves our organization, they leave either because they pass away or they leave because they, you know, they're terminated or voluntarily uh, go to another company. Uh, part of the fear is uh, how, how is this going to affect me in my, in my day to day? You know, is it going to create uh, a burden and is this going to be you know, more than I bargained for. That's part of the fear. Um, another layer of this fear, which is probably at a deeper level, is uh, especially early on, we are afraid uh, quite often of how we're going to react. Um, so very often, um, let's say someone passes away, and we know that we're going to have a chance either to go to a memorial, uh, go to a funeral, or maybe uh, interact with each other uh, later. Um, it, there's a lot of fear that we don't know how much we can take. Um, I, I know personally from uh, my own personal example, when my sister and her husband were killed many years ago in a car accident, I remember being com just overwhelmed with sadness and um, you know, just grief. But I remember the degree of fear. I actually was, I was gripped by fear on the way uh, to the funeral, we I drove. You know, it was a, a long drive from Southern California up to or, to, to Oregon, mm. and I remember the pervasive emotion at that time was fear because I was afraid of uh, how would I uh, respond when I saw the casket, how would I respond when I faced my family members. So there's a, a lot of fear that actually surprises people. Um, which can create even more anxiety because that's not something that we expect to creep up is the emotion of fear as we anticipate um, just talking with our colleagues, talking with those around us about the loss. So um, fear is, is uh, one of those surprising emotions, I think, for, uh, for a lot of people. And um, anger. It, it, can uh, I uh, stop? To... Yeah, just for a second there, Andy. I'm, I'm also curious, mm -hmm. does, does guilt come in there too um, under that, yeah. that fear? Because that, that was something I know I, I've struggled with every time. Um, I mean, it seems like guilt has always showed up. Like, what did I, what could I have done? You know, those types of things always came yeah, up. Yeah, actually, guilt is a big part. And actually, I tie that in, um, I think, a little bit with sadness because there's, oh, okay. a, there's a great sense of remorse. Um, sadness is, you know, a sense of uh, just just the way we would imagine it. We're sad that something's gone. Uh, guilt is uh, kind of the flip side of that in thinking I, it hurts and I bet I could have done something um, to change it or I shouldn't be here. Um, and you see guilt kind of play itself out in a couple of areas. One is, you know, we hear the term survivor guilt. Um, and that can be literal or figurative. Um, if, you know, part of the... Uh, especially if someone uh, loses a life in the workplace, um, if there is uh, something that uh, an employee felt that they could have done to prevent it, obviously that is a, a huge uh, source of guilt and, and remorse. Um, but even on, uh, 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 in an 
and in our reorganization, if somebody leaves the workplace, sometimes those who remain behind feel guilty uh, for, for being there and thinking, wow, if anybody should have lost their job, it should have been me. But the, the third major source of guilt, um, which again is probably one of these surprises, is that we are not in as much pain as we think we should be. Um, and that very often creates uh, a little bit of anxiety for people. They lose somebody close to them, and they're surprised that it doesn't bother them as much as it should. See, part of part of the dilemma is everybody has these expectations of what they should deal, how they should deal with it, what they should say, what they should feel, mm-hmm. and everybody grieves and mourns uniquely to them. And so when they lose somebody, whether it's in an organization, in a family, um, very often the guilt they feel is that they're not more devastated than they are. So then they feel guilty for not feeling bad. So, so then you've got you know, basically a cascade of emotions that uh, they have to deal with within a particular window. Uh, let me go back to the one comment I just made. Yeah, please do. About, about the family and the organization. Um, if, you know, one of the things that's absolutely critical in understanding loss in an organization is understanding the organization within a family system. Um, we experience life, organizational life, um, very much as a family. And we spend more time with our coworkers uh, in, in our professional career than we typically do even with our own family members. So to, you know, we cannot overstate the importance of the workplace in, in, in terms of our own personal uh, family system, uh, in, in terms of the dynamics of how that affects us. So when you lose somebody that you work with, basically, especially if you see them, you know, all day long, every day, you're, you're losing a very significant part of your life. So that, that does tend to give us a little bit of understanding of how emotionally volatile we can become around this kind of a loss. I appreciate you saying that, and I know I, I really feel like I can resonate with that on a number of levels. Of you know, it, it, it's, I guess in some ways it, it kind of seems like when we look at things through a professional lens, that okay, it's just, it's just business. You know, if someone moves on or if an organization downsizes, like that shouldn't affect. Uh, I'm, I'm. I'm walking through what I've said to myself before to help me, <laughs> you know, it shouldn't affect me as much. You know, it's not a, a, a family member for, you know, and yet it really does. Cause we spend a lot of time with the people that we work with. Um, and I totally with, I totally can relate to the guilt feelings too. I, um, and I think that's one of the challenges I know in the workplaces. It seems like everyone kind of has different relationships and knows people different ways. So if that person leaves the organization for whatever reason, that really impacts some people really strongly and other people may not be as affected by that. Um, and that, that in itself kind of causes tension. Yeah. Well, and the other, there's another, uh, depending on the last conversation, that's another contributor for guilt, right? So we very often after we lose somebody, um, especially if we, you know, if we lose them, you know, because they pass away, we can't go back and repair a relationship. We can't go back and apologize. They're completely gone. And so very often what happens when we uh, lose a, a co-worker um, who, who passes away, if we think of what was the last conversation we had yeah. with that person. Yeah. And if it was unpleasant, then that's usually where people feel a lot of guilt. It's like, oh, if I had only done something differently, if I would have said something 
uh, a little bit more encouraging. And so then we'd go back and replay these whole tapes and, and play a game of what if, you know, if I had only. And yeah. uh, that, that's a big contributing factor for guilt as well. So speaking of guilt, I'm feeling guilty about having interrupted you here earlier. So I we jumped down this <laughs> we jumped down to sadness, and we I totally took you off your train of thought of of talking about anger. So let's go back and say something about uh, how anger shows up too. Well, let me just kind of hit anger and sadness uh, both together. Sadness typically is is the healthier of the of the two emotions, although anger is absolutely appropriate and given certain situations. Um, and, and so very often we're angry, we're angry at a coworker, we're angry, you know, we can be angry at the person who, who died or who left. We can, you know, especially if they leave on their own and they are leaving because they're taking a job someplace else, we can be angry there. But what a lot of people uh, don't understand is how angry they are at somebody who actually passes away. Um, they're, you know, they're angry because they left them and, uh, that's part of the conversation that things needs to take place is people give are given the freedom to actually feel angry and, and express the anger. Uh, eventually people, in fact, if, you know, the old Kubler-Ross, you know, anger is pretty much a, a part of, of every cycle. Um, but at some point you go through that. And I think once you get through anger um, and then you start to dealing, deal with the loss itself, then you kind of give yourself uh, a little bit of freedom to just feel sad. It's like, yeah, this is, this is, it's sad. Um, the, the, the difference between the two is anger is, is uh, typically an emotion that we feel that we're in charge of. Um, so, you know, it's a great, it's a great controlling emotion. We get angry, we get to do something. Um, sadness, you don't do much with, you just sit back and hurt for a while. And that's one of the reasons I think people spend so much time staying angry and less time being in sadness is, is, uh, you know, anger kind of drives us and we can do things and feel like we're, uh, in control more sadness. You don't have a lot of control, but it's one of the healthiest emotions that we can, you know, spend some time doing is just suffering the loss and being sad for a while. Hmm. Oh, that's really interesting. I hadn't thought about it that way. That's really profound. Huh. Uh, you know, I think one of the uh, one of the real struggles, and I've I've seen a few people work through this now, um, and I know you've worked with many folks who have experienced this, Andy. Of if you're in a leadership role and a, a loss happens, um, either it's an organizational restructuring, and and maybe you're the person who is delivering even the news that people are leaving, and um, and then also has to really find a way for the organization to move forward. Um, what are the kinds of things that a leader should be thinking about when something like this happens? Well, there's, there's a couple of things that I like to remind people of. First of all, when it, when it, whenever we're dealing with loss, I uh, said, so you got to establish, establish a culture that is pure freedom from expectation. In other words, don't don't expect people to all respond the same way within the same time frame. So there's this freedom from expectation is just do not put parameters on how people are supposed to act, how they're supposed to respond to you, and how long it's supposed to take people. So if you just kind of take away all the parameters and then you, then you do a few things, and these are the things I, I think is important. Number one is we need to provide stability um, in an organization. So a lot of times... Um, uh, and, and, and you can even apply this to people, employees who have experienced a loss. Um, loss is one of those things that we absolutely are out of control. And one of the 
most anxiety-reducing things that we can do as leaders is to provide structure, provide a sense of stability. Mm. Um, because basically people feel as if there's nothing that's predictable. Life is completely going to them sideways. And what we can do is ensure that, hey, this is a stable environment. We are going to move on. Things are consistent. We obviously do allow uh, time for grief and, and for hurting and pain and conversation, but I think the first thing we need to do is we need to provide a sense of stability. It's basically a solid structure on which everybody else can then move throughout this process. Um, I allow conversation um, very often, and, and this, this goes even through a, a big reorganization or even a small reorg. Um, people often consider their own fears or their own emotions unique to them. And one of the things that's really helpful is for us to just provide forums for people to talk through their experiences, what they're feeling, why they're feeling, what they're afraid of, what they're mad at, and it begins to normalize the feelings and they realize that they're not the only person that's involved with it. And of course, a lot with allowing the conversations, we have to allow time um, we allow, you know, everybody, um, it's going to take a while. And sometimes we get frustrated because they bring up the conversation. Some, you know, it can be months down the road and we go, really, we thought you dealt with that. We thought we were over. And mm -hmm. Those are the things yeah. that you just, you, you can't put time limits on. Um, and, uh, on the performance part, however, is that kind of takes us back to, that's one of the things that's actually pretty stabilizing. Uh, in an organization. People understand the work still needs to get done. We still have a job to do. Performance is still important. And believe it or not, that actually reduces anxiety more than people realize. Very often people think we should you know, just stop business for a week or two and when in fact that's actually the worst thing you can do. Um, because oh, what people need to understand is life goes on and it's predictable and to a certain degree, but at least there's expectations that we know what we can do in the workplace. And so uh, business going on, uh, you know, as usual, while we allow time for conversation and healing, but it's that business that goes on, performance is still an expectation, can actually help reduce anxiety in the workplace hmm. and can help bring healing. I appreciate you saying uh, that. I, I I resonate with that. I found that to be helpful the last time um, someone I worked with where we went through a loss. And I, I you know I think back, Andy, when I when um, September 11th happened. At the time, I was uh, running an education center for kids, and I remember having conversations with people at that time who had been through the earthquakes here in Southern California years prior. And who had said, you know, one of the best things that they found at during that time of loss was for stability. That you know, school resumed. That you know, kids mm -hmm. kept going to the same activities. And we really tried hard to provide that for the kids at the time. If keep you know, keep things moving along the way they had been. Um, but I, I hadn't really thought about that as much from a standpoint of adults. And so it's it's interesting mm -hmm. to know that that's something that's that's really helpful for adults too. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I think. You know, for us to provide a stable environment, a stable atmosphere, um, you know, especially if it's an environment where people are afraid of losing their job and so forth, the one thing that they know is what they 
what they can uh, count on is what their expectations are. Mm-hmm. What am I supposed to do day to day? And and an example would be, um, you know, someone losing a spouse after many years of marriage. You 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 know, after a few days of of intense grief or weeks, however long, there's a certain place that most of the surviving spouses or loved ones would get to, to where they go, I've got to get back into my rhythm, whether it's mm-hmm. cleaning house, it's taking my walk, it's getting back into my routine. Um, it, most people will say when they get to that place to where they can kind of start getting back into the routine, it helps them process. You don't want to rush that, obviously, and give people a uh, chance to grieve. But I think in the workplace, um, that's the one environment where people do tend to rely on structure probably more than any place else. The workplace and in their own uh, faith institution, that's another stabilizing structure for yeah. them. Well, th- this is really interesting because this brings me to uh, one of my questions that I, I think is a really difficult thing for leaders. And I, you've mentioned several times, Andy, already that you know people really do process, you know, lost differently depending on you know who they are their experiences just how they respond to change um you know how well they knew the person or persons that loss is affected um and everyone does really process that in different times and in different ways um and so you know as a leader i mean at some point you really do have to make sure that the organization continues to move on and and how do you is have you found any helpful guidance for leaders on how to balance, you know, keeping job performance going and helping the people still handle grief who are going to need more time? Because that, that's a real, I would imagine that's a really hard dynamic to, um, to walk. Yeah. And I think as a leader, you do articulate the things that I mentioned and you articulate them soon. Um, but you, when you, when I say you allowed for conversation, that means you actually lead that conversation. You create the forum for conversation. I remember several years ago, I worked with um, uh, a a convalescent hospital, and uh, one of the things that they asked was these people had had developed these relationships with these patients for months and and sometimes even a year or two, and they they never or very rarely participate with uh, the family and the funeral and the the memorials and so forth, and so... uh, somebody realized there's just so much uh, pain and anxiety among the staff and would I come and, and meet with the staff. And so one of the things that I did was um, got all the nursing staff, basically anybody that connected with patients. And uh, one of the first things we did was we just said, you know, um, let's talk about who did, who have we, who have we lost recently? And people started giving names. And then it was like, what, you know, what did they teach you about yourself? And what did you admire about them? And you basically just ask a couple of open-ended questions. But what people do is pretty much what we do at a eulogy. We have a chance to articulate uh, memories and how people have impacted our lives. And that is such a healing process for people. And I think we need to create an environment in the workplace just like that. And people don't have to die to have those conversations. I've seen people do that after a reorganization where they've laid off and, you know, several people. You bring people together and say, hey, we lost some, we lost some great team members. You know, how's that going to impact us? And give people a chance to talk. So I think, you know, allowing the conversation, um, maybe I could state that a little bit more uh, proactively. I think we need to create the conversation. Mm. Um, you know, that's number one and, and allow people time and, and not get frustrated with them when, the, you know, we discover that they're still hurting or angry months down the road. 
Um, the other thing that we need to do is we need to uh, plan ahead in terms of making sure that we have policies in place uh, for grieving. Let's say that when people uh, uh, die in our organization, do we allow time for uh, funeral services? And, and most companies will have some sort of um, a, a bereavement time period that doesn't count against vacation or personal time off. Um, what that does for those of us who are within the organization is it sends the message that our organization is a caring organization. We really take care of our own. So when we plan ahead and we make sure that we have policies that are really human and that they really allow people who have gone through the suffering of a loss uh, of a loved one, uh, you know, we, it, it's a real stabilizing uh, feeling to know that, hey, our organization takes care of these people. So that's part of planning ahead. And along with that is make sure that we, our, uh, our employees really understand what our mental health benefits are. Um, and especially if we have an employee assistance program, uh, EAP, we need to make sure that when we go through some of these losses in organizations, people have uh, a forum to talk. They may not want to talk within their colleague groups, but they very often will want to talk to somebody else outside. And uh, we need to make, you know, we, when we create this space for conversation, we really have to do it at two levels. One is at the, in, the, at the group level to where we can talk within our colleagues that tends to normalize the emotions, but we also need Need to at least provide them an opportunity to have uh, pretty uh, personal and, and intimate conversations with with a trusted counselor outside of the office. Hmm. I think those are those are probably three or four pretty important steps for us as as leaders. Well, that's that's great, Andy. I, I and I really appreciate the perspective on doing looking at something like this proactively. And you know, there's not any particular reason we're talking about this topic on the show today, and that that uh, part of that is intentional in that. You know, really is uh, it is the time to have some of those conversations prior to uh, a loss in an organization to have at least had some thought about how the organization would handle that and respond to that. And I, um, I also like the example of you know what what are some other resources that might be available. And I remember uh, being involved in a uh, an organization years and years ago where um, the leader brought in someone else to help facilitate mm-hmm. the conversation. And, and I was always really impressed that that person had um, thought to, knew enough to know that a conversation needed to happen, but didn't have the tools themselves to, to do it, um, or at least didn't feel like they could do it as well as, as an outside party could, and brought in someone else. And so I guess my question is, is are there things that would be indicators to us as leaders of when we should engage help, uh, either from others in the organization internally, or that we should maybe reach out and find other resources that would be helpful to the organization and to our team? Well, yeah, I'd, I'd say really there, there are two sides to this. One is, you know, loss, um, loss of a, a colleague, uh, loss to death or a significant loss in an organization. There's, there's always an emotional impact, um, and that's usually what we try to mitigate and we can try to give time. But the emotional impact very often has a physical impact. And that physical impact is when we see people going beyond, you know, the the, the normal morning, whatever normal means. But they start acting uh, in in terms of depression. They are fatigued. They you know they can't get to work on time, and they show these signs of depression, these signs of anxiety because they're real. They it, the the emotional impact has become a physical impact. Um, so we look for anything that is a deviation from their normal routine. 
Um, do they show up? Uh, they, are they dressing differently? Do they just seem like they aren't taking care of themselves? Um, and by that time, frankly, it's also uh, we're late uh, to the conversation um, because that's you know they've the emotional impact has been uh, festering for a while and, and has now become uh, something that has physical manifestations. But we certainly want to look for those signs. And I think part of when I talk about creating a place of conversation inside the organization, that's also where there's a, a, a an element of trust to where if somebody is having a very difficult time we let them know that we have these other outside resources. They know that they're there, and we hopefully can identify a couple people within our organizations that, that generally most everyone trusts, and they can go to them for the connection to our employee assistance program or to the outside counselors. But there's, there's that emotional, physical impact thing that we watch. And then there's another part that we see, um, particularly around um, loss due to death, and that's the spiritual impact. And that doesn't really have anything to do with the degree of religiosity. It's like everybody has these deeply held, uh, very primal, emotional, but very spiritual um, experiences for the most part that, you know, I, we talk about it's a belief system. And our belief systems is generally what gives us strength, what gives us hope, and it gives us this meaning of life type of framework. Uh, very often when somebody passes away, um, we you know, very often refer to it as a spiritual crisis or spiritual uh, distress. What's happening is their belief system is somewhat fractured, and that is something that really uh, requires a, a trained professional, uh, a therapist, uh, somebody, um, a, a counselor within their own faith system, somebody that's really gifted and talented and trained to help them kind of put together this spiritual framework in which for them gives meaning to life. Andy, I really appreciate all your perspective on this. You've, you've given me a ton to think about, and I know that our community is really going to uh, get a lot from the, your perspective as well. And uh, as folks who listen to the show regularly know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in, in leaders leading themselves first. And you know, you've spoken about uh, the experiences you've worked with others on. You've, you've also spoken about some of the grief experiences you've had. And I'm curious, before I let you go, what um as you've worked with others and also as you have worked through situations in your own life and your own career what's what's one thing that you've discovered along the way that has been helpful to you in working through grief um well for me personally is you're you're always on one side or the other of a loss you're either approaching one or getting over one and and uh, I think that was probably one of the most comforting realizations at some point because you realize that lo loss is a part of living, and um, the more losses that you experience, the the more I think you value life. Um, that sounds almost uh, sadistic and and oversimplified, but it really is true. And so one of the things that I tell people is you are on one side or the other constantly of, of loss, and that's just a part of living a healthy and very fulfilling life. That tends to put things in perspective. Um, and subsequently, kind of attached to that is when we go through a, a loss, basically our entire world is focused on the here and now, which I think it kind of needs to be for, for a while. But I try to figure out what, you know, as I, as I start to go through some of the healing of the loss, 
how will I feel about this loss a year from now, two years from now, five years from now? And it gives you a, a, an opportunity to go to the future a little bit, look back, um, just put some perspective on it. It's not, you know, you don't want to rush through it, but you also understand this isn't going to last forever. Um, and so I'm going to kind of go through this, give myself plenty of time to be sad. Um, and I bet a few years from now, I'll look back on this, as most everybody does when they go through a period of loss. And I've had the conversations. Um, people look back and go, you know, as it turns out, that that was one of the sweetest times in my life um, because it was probably some of the most vulnerable experiences I've ever had. Mm. Um, but you know, uh, loss can be one of those amazing teachers. Yeah. And a lot of people look back on it and you go, it seemed like hell at the time. Uh, but looking back on it, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Now, that's, I'm not going to simplify it so everybody feels that way all the time. Um, but a lot of people look back on that season of loss and understand how critical it was for their growth. Well, Andy, I am just uh, so grateful for you being willing to engage in a in a difficult conversation. Uh, you know, I I just feel like I've been all over the map as far as asking you questions and <laughs> interrupting you, and because it it it's a it's a hard thing for all of us to deal with. And there's just not a lot of clear roadmaps when loss happens. And uh, and it's it's hard to even know where to start the conversation sometimes, including this conversation. So I just so appreciate your flexibility and your wisdom and your guidance. And I, I really appreciate you making time to share your wisdom about this and your experiences. And I, I know it's going to be so helpful to people. Good. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad we could have the conversation, Dave. Andrew Stenhouse is the Dean of Graduate and Professional Studies at Vanguard University of Southern California. Andy, thanks again for your time. My pleasure. Take care. I really appreciate Andy taking his time to come on the show today and to share some of his wisdom with us, a difficult topic, of course. And I recorded this interview about a week before I'm recording this segment. And I'll tell you, there's there's so much value here in what he said. And the one thing that really continues to stick out for me that I've thought about several times in the last week is his reminder to us that we are always moving towards the next loss. And it is, sadly, it's absolutely true. And I think that that brings me to the question this week for all of us, which after listening to this conversation today, uh, what's one thing you could do now to ready your organization for loss? If your organization hasn't experienced it before, uh, almost certainly it will in the future, if not the organization directly, people in, who are in the organization experiencing their own losses in their personal lives and family lives. And it's, it's, it's certainly helpful to have some of that dialogue in advance and to consider some of the things Andy said here in advance. When that inevitably happens, it is, it is a easier path to walk down. It's not easy, but it's an easier path to walk down. Uh, when it does happen. And of course, we'd love to get your feedback on our conversation today and how it was helpful to you or any 
uh, anything you have that you could suggest as part of the dialogue as well. And if you would like to join the conversation, go to coachingforleaders.com slash 142. That will take you to the notes for this episode. And at the very bottom of the page, there is the place where you can join the conversation and leave a comment. And of course, if you have general comments, questions, or feedback about the show, or a question that you'd like me to consider for a future show or one of the future Q&A shows coming up, you can always submit that at coachingforleaders.com slash feedback. And I want to thank this week the folks who have taken time to hop online and subscribe to the weekly update. And those folks this week are Abe Frodman, Marvin Powell, Phil Griffin, Edison Williams, Raleigh Mikrit, Natasha Lipson, Cindy Ramirez, and Manuel Ortega, Howard Herbert, and Chris Winch. Thank you so much, all of you, for subscribing to the weekly update this week. I do publish an email once a week, every Wednesday that goes out. And in that email, you will get an article that'll help you in continuing to be more effective as a leader. Also, You'll get all of the show notes and the links from each of the shows that airs on Monday at the bottom of that email as well. So any resources, links that we talk about each week, including this week's, will always be there. So it'll be really easy for you to get that information. And when you subscribe to the weekly update the first time, you will also get a downloadable guide with the 10 leadership books that will help you get better results from others, including two books that I rely on weekly. It's a nice little document and it comes with a video too. So if that is helpful to you in planning your reading and you'd like to get the updates, just go to coachingforleaders.com slash subscribe and you can join as well. And we'd love to have you as part of that community. Hey, I also want to say a huge thanks to Sarah down in Australia. Sarah, thanks so much for the great review you left on iTunes. I'm so glad that the show's been helpful to you and your team of actors and creative folks. Uh, It's so exciting to get connected and I, I appreciate your kind words. So thank you, Sarah. Hope to have a chance to meet you at some point when I make it down to Australia. Hey, uh, if this show's been helpful to you as well, a great way to uh, help others to benefit from this show is to leave a written review on iTunes or Stitcher if you use either one. And the best way to do that is just to go to coachingforleaders.com slash iTunes or coachingforleaders.com slash Stitcher. The honest reviews and feedback that we get on both of those directories are wonderful to help grow this community. So thanks in advance and Have a great week. Talk to you next week.